What's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and we're back at it again with another episode. Today, we're going to be learning about what's new in Angular Fire. So some little Angular, a little bit of Firebase. It's going to be pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, say hi to our panelists, and then we'll meet our guests, and then we'll get into the content. Joining us today, we've got Bonnie with us. Bonnie, what's going on? Hey, how are you doing? I'm very excited to be here and uh, always excited about this topic. It's like old awesome. school. This is one of my first, this is like the first thing that I, that was really easy for me when I started using Angular. The docs have always been so great and uh, I can't wait to see what they're up to. I know, I know. It's been a minute. We've had, we had a talk before about Angular Fire, but it seems like a long time ago. So can't wait to see what's, what's new for sure. Alyssa's joining us. Alyssa, what's going on? I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Everybody's excited. All right, Mike's with us as well. I hope Mike is excited as well because we need three for three here. I, I'm definitely excited. Always nice to hear wonderful things from David East. Mike's awesome. prepared. I spoiled. My bad. No! I know, it wasn't me. It. You it can wasn't read me it. or Bonnie either. It wasn't me or Bonnie. <laughs> it's on the screen. I'm just reading. We were so well prepared. I know, but you're supposed to let, yeah, but it's Justin's very patient with us, luckily. Well, that worked out great because he was the last panelist. So now, <laughs> hey, but now you've got the responsibility of introducing our guest. So go for the it, The last panelist is allowed. Our wonderful guest today comes to us from Google directly from the Firebase team, Mr. David East. Hello. Thank you all for having me. Thanks for coming back. Appreciate it. Always it's been great to have you on. I, we were all I really excited. We have a squad channel and we were like all going crazy in the squad channel. David East, yay. We were excited to have you. Actually, one of my favorite, uh, like just like uh, doing like a podcast live streaming moments was the first time I did Angular Air. I don't know if you remember it, Schwarty. It was you and Jeff Welpley. And then I was like, I'm going to do some live coding. And, at, and I was very unprepared for it and uh and like right as i went into my wife was like texting me and she was like the uh, sprinklers are going off in the apartment and there's like it's not actually a fire though and, and both my kids are really little then and she was like i don't know what to do and i was like i'm about to go into a a live stream and so i texted her back and i was like hey just come to the office and then i'll come get you after the live stream and i was like one second and so i hop in and then i was uh oh, trying to show how you word. do like operators with uh like angular fire and i remember just like completely like not getting it and then i was like it turned in from like this is what you can do with angular fire into this is how you debug operators <laughs> and then everyone was like is he gonna get it and then i like got it <laughs> at the very end and i was like oh, oh. And it's not like you had nothing else going on with your brain. That's horrible. Right. I was like underneath the table and I was like, so then I think you filter. And then I was like, Is you, are you here? <laughs> and, I was like, and then you map that and I, is it switch map or is it switch scan merge zip map? I'm like, oh my oh. gosh. I am so, so proud of you for juggling that. <laughs> but being able to look back on it now though. It can really go up from there, right? It's still on, still on the YouTube. Uh, it's just so funny. I can so go back and look at it. What happened laugh. with your house? Was it like was everything drenched? Uh, so it wasn't that bad. Um, they did so pretty much like where I lived. I lived in San Francisco at the time. They, um, you would always get these, uh, like you get these interns that would come in work at the big tech companies, and every time it was intern season, th that this would happen because they would do this thing where they'd like burn something in the oven, and they didn't know that the last thing you want to do in a big apartment complex like that is open the front door because if you open this it's like it's natural instinct um but so you get like this huge flux of people all at once and then almost like once per week it would happen and so someone opens the front door and all the smoke goes out to the front door and the apartment complex therefore thinks it's a uh, like a real fire because it's like a bunch of smoke going into the hallway so what you're supposed to do is you open up your windows um, and so it wasn't like a real fire. It was just like someone burning like something in an oven or toast. I don't know. So now you just like keep everything in waterproof sealed bags, like in case 
That's so yeah. Awesome. So it wasn't it wasn't too bad. I think like the sprinkler only goes off in like a certain part, and I it I, I don't know, it was a long time ago. That was like, was, like years ago. Oh my gosh. Well, I am still impressed with you for juggling that and doing the stream. So. <laughs> Well, I have glad to, say, to be back. Watching, watching you struggle, though, David. I mean, it reminds me. You know my my favorite David East story, right? It was when when I really became a big David East fan was the uh, when you were tweeting, falling off your skateboard over and over and over again, and learning how to do the the, the jump flip. Uh, because this the thing is when people watch you live coding and you're you know breaking it and messing it up and and working through. I mean, it's so endearing because we all go through that. And uh, and I love to watch it. It was it was and, and of course you you do get it working in the end. Oh yeah, I, it was interesting. A lot of people would would uh, look at me skateboarding, and they'd be like, "That's how I feel as a developer." Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was exactly. always really interesting. <laughs> because you're David East, and every and we, I mean, we know your name. We've all known your name for years, right? And so to see you falling, and to see like you didn't just wake up that cool. I mean, it's it seems like that at first, but then when you see the process of what it took to get there, like, hey, I didn't start out that cool, and it's so encouraging, and I just think it's really heartwarming. All I had to do is go to the skate park and then you were like, especially in San Francisco, you go to the skate park there and you're like, I'm very bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I spend like, I spent like an hour trying to do one thing at the skate park. And then after I finished, the guy comes up from behind me first try, just like nails it. And like the first bit of his line, <laughs> you're like, yeah, and you, you like slowly back away. You like Pretty hide much. your skateboard behind your back. I'm just here to watch. <laughs> okay, that, that, that applies to a lot of different things that you see somebody who can do more than you. And it just encourages you to, encourages you to try and do more and learn more. Yeah, or, to exactly. or to back away slowly. I mean, either reaction is valid. <laughs> well, I, that's why I like the process. That's why I like seeing him like falling down over and over and over again. And then at the very end of the GIF, you see... Oh, there he did it right, and now he's all cool. But yeah. I love the I love the the learning process. Yeah, yeah, pretty much trial and error. That. <laughs> so, so hey, while we're on that learning process, but before we get to the Angular Fire stuff, since uh, David, you're so good at at uh, publicly exposing stuff as you're learning through it and endearing all of us to your journey, right? I know you've done a couple other things recently, like with with drawing, doing some drawings oh, as well. Yeah. Uh, venturing into doing some streaming now, right? Yeah, no, I, I was hoping no one would bring up the drawing. Um, so I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you're the first person too since I stopped doing it. And I was like, that's good. No one's no one's noticed it. This is good. I know, but I'm oh. really sorry, David. Oh, because now it. that he brought it up, I want to see the drawing. I mean, how can we not? Oh. Drawing is so hard. Can you explain? I'm super confused. Did you like pick up a new hobby? Of drawing, I did, and so I so I went and I started. I wanted to learn how to draw um, because, as a web developer, uh, I always think that there's there's like these different like web development is just like a Venn diagram of like many many skills, just like you know like most things in life. And one of the things that I always really respected about really well built websites wasn't just so that they were designed a lot like designed very well and like design something as like in web development you pick up a lot of things as time moves on and then you can also like really dive deep into that and a lot of it makes sense um uh, because you're like, oh, I make the, you know, I know how to make this and now I'm learning how to make this like, you know, look a little better, act a little better. But then with uh, what I also noticed is that illustration is such a massive part of web development that not always thought about we're always like oh let's just get someone that can draw and and i always thought like oh it'd be really cool if i could draw the things that i would put on my sites or like on design a site and so i wanted to go and learn how to draw and it is seriously one of the hardest things <laughs> i ever attempted to do and so i challenged myself i said for 30 days i was going to do a new drawing every day, which was a, a complete and utter mistake. And I did it for like 19 and then I slowly backed away because I was like, this is so tough. Because uh, it's it's one thing to do like a sketch every day for 30 days, which is what I should have said, but I tried to get like a completed drawing. Oh my and gosh. It take like two to, I don't know, eight hours a day, like oh my gosh. to finish. And like, it was really, really, really difficult. The trick is to keep it really simple, David. You have to like yeah. just get, yes. get something you can just do really fast. The, the uh, I think the best one, yeah, the best one I I did, or this one I'm most proud of. Let me see if I can. You get both, it. you both are drawing on an iPad or something, and not yeah, on paper. 
Yeah, it is. iPads are like the iPad Pros are really nice for any type Wacom tablet, iPad Pro, it doesn't really matter. They're oh really, my God, the Lego guy. Wait, oh wait, your background. <laughs> yes. So I, I drew it. this. Oh no, that's, that's an image. That's the camera. So I drew this and that, I was so proud of that. Yes. <laughs> that that's was pretty like amazing. Hours of just shading, just like, just like, and then they're like, what are you doing? And you're like, something very important, okay? And you're just like, <laughs> uh, Alyssa, the iPad, and well, we, we we need to talk about Angular Fire, but we'll sometimes that. the cool thing about the iPad is w that it has a pencil now, and it's like really Oh, it's, I know, it's... Bonnie. I know about the pencil. <laughs> I don't have one. Some of us aren't as elite, but I know the pencil. Okay, Bonnie. <laughs> Justin's left. Is he going to get his pencil to show off to? Justin! <laughs> I'm leaving. Nice. I'm leaving okay, you, you all. Guys, I'll digitally hand you my pencil. You can have it. It's, <laughs> it's really nice that. to have no fear of messing up on your line because I started with paper and it was, it was just like different sketch after different sketch because you're like, I just right. messed up that line. And then right. when you're first starting, you want to do it so well that you can't see the larger picture. It's like if you were like every line of code needs to be perfect. And like yeah. you know, now we're like you're just like you're like slash slash to do fix that hack later and you like move on. But when you're drawing, you don't think that way. Like when you're learning, you're like, you know, especially if you're a junior dev, you're like, I can't write a hack. Uh what if this goes to code review and everyone judges me and thinks horribly of this. And like, you know, I've had code reviews where it's like to do, you know, like fix this later, please to code reviewer, just let this pass right now. <laughs> like, it, but I would never would have done that as a junior dev. I would have spent hours just making sure it was like idiomatic or like mm -hmm. was up to code basically. <laughs> but that's certainly why we all enjoy learning from you uh, is your ability to deliver that content and to connect with us as we go through that same journey of the stuff that we're going through, which is, wow, this is challenging, or how do we adapt, or what if we make mistakes, or what if it's challenging, right? And you do such a great job at that. So we're definitely well, excited to, to learn Angular Fire from you. And, and what's new in that. I wanted to give you a shout out for your talk at NGConf last week. Oh, thank you. NGConf Hardwired. You had me rolling. Like, it was <laughs> so funny. Like, and the content was great. So thanks for that informative and highly entertaining talk. Check it out. The talks will be up. I don't know when, but soon. Um, so you can sign in, even if you don't have a ticket, and watch them from NGConf. But seriously, check out David's talk because it was like on fire. To, for, to provide context to any of the panel who didn't see it or any of the audience, I did a talk on Angular Fire, but I um, I had this idea where like uh, this actually came together really quick because uh, you know, due to the world we lived in, I was I had pretty much been out of doing anything uh, for ng-comp for like uh, for three weeks before they were like, okay, actually, can you get a get do this live thing? And then I was like, oh no, I can't do anything live that quickly. And I wasn't I I just didn't I need like interaction or I need it to be really well like planned. So I was like, I don't think I'm gonna do really well in this pre-record or in this like live staring at my you know screen environment. So I was like, can I give you a pre-recorded video? And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Just, 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 yeah, that's fine. And so I had this whole idea of like, just, you know, I ever, a lot of people are at home right now and they're adjusting to this crazy life. I, like their whole family's at home and they're being their kids like teachers and everything. And, and, uh, just very like it's not regular work from home in any sense of the mean and so i had this whole setup where my kids were coming in from behind me like the guy from cnn and like kept messing with me and like asking me stuff and i was taking like these youtube jump cuts being like one second one second and uh and so it was just i thought of that idea and i was like oh now i have to totally do this video because i just feel like everyone just watching that would be like yes this is my life right now <laughs> No, it was it was wonderful. And even how you ended it, he was like, so this has been the best 20 minute Angular and Firebase video that you'll ever see uh, today uh, on this time slot. And then it was just like, like, you kept going. It was so funny. But no, I just I love it's, your personality and it came off really well. So thank you. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun making the video. And uh, I'd never done a video like that before. So I think it was kind of like that uncharted territory like 
you know, vibe where you're like, oh, I've never done this. You know, you go through that bit of like, this is, oh, this idea, it's going to be amazing. And you start doing it. And then you're like, this is going to be less amazing than I thought. And you really start doing it, like recording it. And you're like, this is probably going to be pretty bad. And then, <laughs> and then you start like, then you kind of tilt up and you're like, wait, actually, is it come together? Like, this is getting pretty good. Okay. All right. Okay. And then you're like right back to where you were. At the By the end of it, you release it and you're like, is this horrible or wonderful? Like, <laughs> I, I actually really, I had to send it. I sent it out to a lot of people beforehand. I like uploaded it to like, uh, as like a private video on a YouTube channel. And I was like, please tell me if this is horrible. I was like, I don't know what I think about this. I've never done it before. Oh, and everyone was like, no, no, I get it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, uh, so tell us, we are doing Angular Fire today. And also, can you, before you start, tell us about, I know there's Firebase and I know there's Angular Fire for Angular projects using Firebase question mark? Like, can you clarify on terminology so that I don't make yes. mistakes anymore? So uh, yeah, so if you're using uh, Angular in Firebase, uh, there's very, very little reason for you not to be using Angular Fire, which is the library that integrates, uh, even though it's Angular Fire, it should almost really be called like ArcJS Fire with a bit of Angular conveniences in there um, because like the angular parts that we integrate with they're very important because you wouldn't want to do them yourself especially every time for every project because uh, those are they're tedious and kind of just like uh. but um but it's mostly rx uh like integration and so firebase for you know the uh, uninitiated is a, a backend as a service platform and so you get a database auth system hosting and then we have also these like growth uh, and stability products we call them so like growth being like how do i uh, measure conversions and how do i track how successful things are going and how do i uh, change like uh, features out on the fly and stuff like that. So we have lots of different products that do that. And then we also, for stability, we we do things like performance monitoring that will tell you like what a lot of really important page load metrics and any like custom metrics that are important to your app as well. So it's a really good way of seeing uh, your app's performance over time. So if you like publish a change and it's like, oh, you know, we just, uh, push this new feature out and it really sunk our page load because of, you know, you can see lots of information to pull that out. So it's this big, you know, hosted suite of tools to, you know, just make app development a lot faster uh, and just easier. And it that's always been, but I remember when I was first learning RxJS and I was very, very, very confused and I could not get RxJS working off my own server. I got it working on Firebase much, much before I got it working on myself. And then one, and it helped me actually really when I was first learning, it helped me understand RxJS so I could see the live updates. Uh, it, it helped me a lot. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's uh, that's something that uh, a lot of people have done actually is they've learned uh, RxJS through uh, using Angular Fire or just RxJS and Firebase because of the, uh, you know, eventually you get kind of tired of like, doing like a set interval to observable and trying to like, cause that's really where ArxJS like shines is when you get those consistent updates and then you're trying to use the different type of creators like combine latest and, or trying to use really more, like more advanced operators like with latest from and stuff like that. And so to really see those work and for that to click in your head, you need the stream of data and you need to pull it in from multiple sources. And, you know, with Firebase, that's just, you know, everything, all the, the databases and a lot of those servers, they all provide these like real time streams. And so that's a really nice fit with RX, but just by a nice, like happy bonus is that it's also a really good way to, to really flex the muscles of RX and kind of, you know, grow your understanding of it. And it's so, and you can just pull up <clears throat> the Firebase console and then you see your app and it's like, you have them both in, side by side and it was so fast. I remember when I was first learning that it was just like, oh yeah, 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 that's how it works. I was getting yeah. very excited. It seems like a long time ago now, but I remember that that was a joyful day. Yeah, I don't think I would have quite the understanding of RxJS. I mean, it wasn't for building now multiple libraries with Firebase with it, but like, um, but just being able to see that fit. Cause sometimes like if you're just doing like a take one of something, it's like, you know, you're like, okay, that's kind of cool. I got this really cool control flow over it. Uh, like I mapped and then I plucked and then I filtered and then I took one <laughs> and you're like, 
And that's like, you know, you could have, you know, dot bend and done that inside of that as well. But Rx is, you know, makes it a lot more declarative. Um, but what I, I think though that like, you know, anytime that you end up taking one or firsting the, the stream, it really, or only one value ever comes out of that stream, it really does, uh, especially if you're new to RxJS, you, you're kind of like, how is this any different than like a callback or a promise at this point? Or if you're new to Firebase, because yeah. I'm not a patient person. And when I first came into Firebase, it was like, you have a very limited amount of time to catch my attention. And all, and, and it was just so like quick, like you, you, you set up your little account and then you click, click. It was just very fast, seamless. Yeah. I mean, okay, so, I, but what have you done for us lately, David East? What have you done for us lately? So, <laughs> We, um, rude. Two, two biggest <laughs> things that we have done. Uh, the first is, is we, we had two, uh, services that were primarily on, uh, native only so Android and iOS apps. And then we have brought them to the web. And so one of them is called remote config, which is a very, uh, it's a funny, uh, service uh, or product to tell web developers about. Cause for like native app developers, like they get the need for this immediately. It's immensely important. So like if you're making an Android and iOS app and you find an error or you need to release a new feature at a certain date uh, or like, you know, you just want to change a message or something out on the fly, you really don't want to have to be like, oh, let's submit an app store review to get this back in. Uh, so now every change shouldn't have, like if you're, if every change you make has to go through app store, it's going to be really slow, really painful, and you're not going to be able to time things correctly. Um, and so remote config allows you to create parameters. And then so a parameter can be as simple as just like a primitive value, like an integer Boolean string, or you can use JSON as well. And so you can just say like, uh, enable, you know, enable new like admin feature or something like that. And it's just a Boolean. And then you can create these conditions on top of the parameters of, of when that shows on the client. So you can tie that into like a certain date and time. So you could be like show flash sale banner, and then it could be from, you know, this date to that date. Um, and then that, that way the UI will at that, whenever the user goes to the client and what is your app at that date and time, it'll just enable like the banner. And so it's like, oh, like this is for sale. And then once that time's up, it goes away. And so it's, so it's really nice because you also don't have to like roll out a feature and then roll it back out or, you know, worry about the, the management of that. Um, I was gonna ask so you can that. change some of those options and, and like turn flags on and off in Firebase without redeploying yep. your app? Oh, yes. That's cool. Yeah. And is that something that we would use for like as well as like A/B testing? Yes. Or is there okay. We have we have uh, full A/B testing support for uh, native, where you can actually see the results of things. We are we do not currently have that for the web. Something really want to do, but since the web one is new and uh, our web one's still in beta, so we're like you know catching things up. Um, it's just job security, man. Job security. <laughs> Can we mention really quick maybe what A-B testing is, that concept? Yeah, this is great. yeah, in case they don't know. Yeah, like the easiest way to um, act, to uh, to describe it, like a very simple one, is actually a real uh, use case, is in the early days of Firebase, back when, before it was at Google and it was a startup, um, I worked during then, or I was on the team during then, we were trying to optimize our, like, our homepage to like increase conversion. And so people, we'd get all these people would come into firebase.com was the site back then. And uh, now I think that just redirects you to firebase.google.com. But, um, but so at firebase.com, we would have this, uh, we have this whole setup and all we wanted to do is just get people to click this button to like sign up. And uh there was just this big debate over what the text should have been on that button. And so, and all these people had these different theories about what it should be. So there's someone was like, Oh, it should be get started. And someone's like, no, no, it should be get hacking. And they're like, you know, and so, and it was just, it sounds very pedantic, but when you think about it, like if this is literally getting someone to log into your app or maybe upgrade their plan or create a paid plan to begin with, the point becomes a lot more important, even though you think the text isn't that important or the color of the button isn't that important. It really is. These small details do sometimes push like uh, those uh, 
like really push the bottom line. So A-B testing is a way to really solve that problem or to solve it in a more scientific method. So it's sort of like if you were a scientist, you would be like, you would follow the scientific method of proving that, you know, this text or this color works better. And that way you would say like, I have a hypothesis. I believe that get hacking is a better uh, text than get started. So the only way to do that is to test it. So A-B testing is you'd say you have A and you have B. So A is get started, B is get hacking. And so you would then roll out two versions of that. Uh, there's multiple ways of doing that. You could That could be a change on the client, could even be a change on the server, but you serve up those two different forms of text to users. It's sort of like you, you like uh, partition your, your user and base. they have services that do that, that make that super yes. easy too. Yes, and that is a whole other that's how where these services get really powerful. Like when you remote, say they, who's they? Have they, they like Firebase is okay. one of the they's. I thought um, it was like a big ambiguous they. So with Firebase, you would use remote config to set the parameters like I was talking about. So like, you know, button text and then, uh, or sign up button text or something like that. And then the condition is then uh, the, the value of that. So whether get hacking or get started. And so you would say for this audience of users, they will see get started. For this audience of users, they will see get hacking. And that and how you decide who sees what is up to you. So in our case, like if you want, you can actually hook it into Google Analytics. And so you could say like, oh, people in this area or people who have these specific user properties and stuff like that, or someone in this audience I've created, which now I'm getting really deep into things. But um, so that's like I'm a very powerful here, way. I didn't even know that Firebase offered that. When oh I, yeah. Last time I did A/B testing, we had to have another service for that. So, so uh, is all of this underneath remote config and the Firebase docs? Like, if you want yes. to dig into this, okay. Absolutely, yeah. And that, and you kind of skip back and forth between that and Google Analytics because they go hand in hand. You can use um, remote config purely without Google Analytics as well. It has its own way, its own independent way of doing what we call targeting. Um, but if you have Google, if you're a Google Analytics user, especially a super one you're gonna be able to do some really specific things. Uh, but uh, but in a really great kind of just traditional way of doing A-B testing is, you know, you could do it by location or by properties or whatever, but you also could just be like, 20% of users see get or get see uh, get hacking and 80% see get started. So we're just gonna roll it out and not even 20, usually you do it much smaller, you'd be like 5%. And then you would want to see what are the results, what's the conversion results of those 5% versus the 95% who see the normal one of get started. And that's just like a random percentage that whether that person rolls into it or not. Um, that's something you don't need Google Analytics at all for. And then that way you start measuring that and you say like, oh, I noticed that get the people in the get hacking group are converting at like a 33% rate and get started is 15. So that's more than, you know, that's, that's a really great, uh, uh, you know, increase in conversion, but that's only 5% of total visitors. So let's now go from 5% to 10% and let's see if those numbers hold. And then, oh, okay, 10 to 20 to 30. And then eventually you're just like, it's just called get hacking. Um, or you could see it as a certain point where you're like, oh yeah, get hacking really started to fail once we got to 40% of the users that actually dipped below. Uh, because that's how statistics work is that when you have, a, you know, when the sample size is not, representative, then all of a sudden, you know, things can look really great or look really bad either or, but they, they don't accurately reflect things. So uh, that's sort of the magic of A-B testing though. Yeah. So there's two sides of that. There's the configuration of who gets to see what, and then there's the other side of it at the after effect to be able to view and query those results, the conversion rates. Does exactly. Firebase, what's that? I said, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, does Firebase provide tooling on both sides, both the configuration as you went over, but also the review and the analytics afterwards? So for native apps, you get both right now, but for um, uh, for web apps, you get just the configuration. Okay. And um, so uh, that, you know, but there's still a lot of, uh, there's a lot you can measure though on your own with that, like setting up your own little mini A-B testing is actually fairly easy, especially with if you use one of our databases to store the data and you can actually see these things pretty easily. And also uh, you can still, uh, even if you're not going to use the database, you can log these events in Google Analytics. So whether someone converted or not, and you can see whether they were in 
A or B. And then uh, in Google Analytics, you can export all your data to BigQuery. And then with BigQuery, you can literally do anything. <laughs> if you know uh, how. It's an, it's an insanely powerful tool. Um, and so, yeah, you can slice and dice your data. And so there's still, uh, there's still, uh, we don't have any like slick UI, uh, for web developers for that, but, um, for, uh, but you're still like, you can still write a big query query and get all that information. And so then angular fire provides us that connection to do the, the config. Yes. So angular fire, those are the two biggest things we've added lately. Um, I guess those are the two like most obvious features. A couple other things we did too, um, but so we added a remote config service, so you can just uh, and though and that also allows you to say like okay, let me get this parameter, and I can actually subscribe to the changes of it because things can be like kind of piped in, um, and uh, we allow you to say like okay, let's you know, so you can you can get the the configuration and then adjust your UI accordingly or features accordingly. Um, and then we also provide a Google Analytics service. And so the way that works is, is you include this service, uh, this module, and then this, what we call a screen tracking provider. And what that does is, is it detects all, uh, it detects whether you're using the router. And if you're using the router, it logs each routing event to Google Analytics as if it was not a single page app, uh, as if it was like a traditional static app. And so you, when you get into Google Analytics and you see your data, uh, it's just automatically set up because Google Analytics traditionally is built for, uh, you know, single route applications or like, you know, server backed applications. And so uh, you have to do a lot of this yourself where you, you know, integrate with the router and detect when a route change has happened and then log that to Google Analytics. We just handle all that for you. That's a nice integration. And so then I'm assuming you can just, it's just a kind of bring that in, do a little bit of configuration and then it's up and running. Yeah. Yeah. You just configure all that and what you, your app module, whatever NG module, you know, you need it at whatever level. And usually what, which one is the root router one, you would just put in the uh, Angular Fire analytics module and then put the screen tracking service as the provider. Um, and so that allows you to really just like it out of the box, just very traditional looking Google analytics. And uh, and then we uh, also have this ability to log these custom events, so you can say whether like oh someone did convert or uh, and you just it's just a method on the Angular Fire Analytics service where you just call dot log event, and then that sends it right and with any you know uh, data you want to you know also any dimensions as they call it to send it up with, and, uh, and then when it gets so if, like if someone says log event conversion and then you could say like group A or group B or like or even just like button text was get hacking. And then up in the dashboard, you can start uh, looking and drilling into that data. Nice, nice. Now it does, AngularFire does the auth part as well, integration? Is that correct? Yes. And that's yes. probably been there for a while, right? Yeah, that's been there for a very, very long time. Yeah, so ever since AngularFire for AngularJS. Um, uh, so yeah, basically, uh, OAuth is hard <laughs> and uh, and maintaining multiple auth providers is also very difficult too. Like what if you have a user who comes to your app and they sign in with Twitter and then, you know, they come in on another device and then they sign in with Google. Uh, like how do you reckon now? You, and then, you know, all the data, those are effectively two different users if you just kind of set up two OAuth providers. And so then they're looking for like all their to-dos and their to-do app. And they're like, what is this? I already created this app and none of my data is here because they didn't realize they've basically created two accounts. And so that's a really tricky problem. And we do our best, it's still very hard to like be foolproof on that. Um, but we do our best to mitigate those problems. So like if someone logs in with Twitter and they have an email of like, you know, David at david.com and then they try to log in with Twitter and then their Twitter email is also like David at david.com. We will detect that and then we will like kind of behind the scenes, we there's these like events you can listen to uh, in the Firebase auth SDK where we're like, hey, this user actually has an email over here. Uh, we can actually take a moment here to link the users if you want and then you just call this other method and it just kind of links them together. And so now when they log in as either or, it just brings them to the same user to. And so uh, the same, you get the same user ID, which is the important part, because you'll save that uh, as sort of like your reference key in the database to figure out like, oh, let me get all the users to do's of this UID. Um, 
And then that's also very important to secure it because that because that user ID in itself, it's not like it's not some like encrypted thing or you know something where it exposes like sensitive information about them. It's just generated string. It's not you know, there's nothing insecure about it itself. So like if someone random found that string logged to the console or something, unless your security rules aren't very good, uh, there's nothing harmful about that. But when you write good security rules, which is a way to secure your Firebase systems, you can say like, hey, if the currently logged in user uh, is trying to access data that at this data location with this UID, if they match, that's cool. You can let them do that. Otherwise, you know, they that this read or update will not be allowed because you know they're obviously they don't belong here. I was trying to think like when I think about Firebase and, and do I want to use it, I was kind of have to remind myself of all the things that come along with it. It's not just the database side, right? Or just the database bit off, but all these other features are things that we can utilize Firebase for, right? Right. Yeah. And they're all totally piecemeal, like standalone stuff. Like it's, um, it's, it's not else like we have two databases. It's very unlikely you'll need both um, or, you know, in general, like, having two different databases, especially client, you know, connected database, it's not very common. So like you might just need database and authentication. That's cool. Also, we just have a hosting service. Maybe you just want to throw your app up on, which is something we actually, uh, another new thing we did is, um, and this is something I'm very out of the loop on. So like the people who worked on this, they'll have to forgive me if I butcher it. Uh, if you call- James is listening in the chat, so be careful. There he goes. See, James James is the one. James is, he showed me- <laughs> You're just busted like, if you mess this up. Just like at you. James in the chat. Like. Yeah, and James, James Daniels, by the way, so people uh, in the chat, James Daniels is like the- Angular Fire person right now. I'm just like the smiling spokesperson at this point. Uh, <laughs> like I used to be the Angular Fire person. I'm not that anymore. James is that person now. I met with James before this and I was like, hey, what's new? <laughs> so, so I should say, what has James done for us lately, right? This, this is truly the case. Um, so um, I even was like, you want to come on? And he was like, no, you, you go do it. Because <laughs> um, I would have been like, is that right, James? Um, we but, have a uh, lot of love for Angular Fire in the chat, so it's a good thing he's there. I just told him everybody give your love to to uh, James. Yeah, no, James. I think I think he's James Uriah on Twitter. You have to go follow him. James is awesome. He is the amount of behind the scenes work too he's done that will go completely underappreciated. Like the uh, that this is probably for a whole other Angular Air, but the work that had to be done to get Firebase being zone aware. Uh, in a way that didn't like mess up your app was very intensive. Um, and the funny thing is about it is we didn't know it was going to be intensive before it was server-side rendering that really like opened our eyes up to the amount of work we had to do with zones. And James and I had this very friendly like argument about who was going to get to add server-side rendering support. And I really wanted to do it. I was like really interested in server-side rendering, but so was he. And so, and then I was like, you know what? Fine. I was like, I'll acquiesce. James, you can have it. And then like months later, watching him go through it, I, it was literally like, I was like, did you hear that? And he's like, what? And I was like, that was the sound of a bullet just going right by my head. <laughs> I just dodged that. Because <laughs> it was it's like so whitewashing Tom Sawyer's fence right there. I mean, yeah, it's I a really weird thing to fight for, David. Like <laughs> it was well, awesome. Anytime very... he needs appreciation, he should come here because there's a lot of appreciation. Apparently, our audience really loves Firebase. I mean, we love Firebase, so everybody loves Firebase. <laughs> it, that, it was the very early days though for Angular Universal. Um, like we were blazing a trail, so there was a lot of just like you know, Angular team was working deeply with us on it and they were learning a lot because they were, Angular Universal was still like early beta. And so we were learning a bit, uh, quite a bit. And it was, yeah, it was a very interesting world. Uh, it's since, you know, James blazed that trail pretty, pretty well, but yeah, you should have him on some time to talk about zones uh, and just the amount of just, he knows a lot about that, that internal part of Angular. It's, it's very interesting. Well, if you're into All that right. kind of thing, it's very interesting. I'm making a note. I'm going to read James. We're coming yeah. to talk to you. So just, you know, be ready for that. Hey, uh, David, we, 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 we have a lot of love in the chat for Angular, obviously, or for Angular Fire, but we also have a couple questions. Do we have time for a couple questions? Yeah, let's do it. 
Uh, Rarus wants to know uh, when he, <laughs> he cracks me up. When he's using Firebase, it's really simple to abuse some of the features that it has, uh, DB, AB testing and stuff like that. What would you do to prevent your team making a gigantic bill to the customer? And I'm laughing because I'm thinking of like the kids running up the, like buying apps online. Like how do you stop your your team from running up the bill, David? Is that yeah, a feature a, for- <laughs> There's a lot of different ways of doing that. Um, the the first and very easy thing to do. So actually I, I, I run a lot of demos on like, uh, on my personal accounts. Um, and I will, and a lot of things I have to do, I have to enable billing for, and we have like a big billing tier. But once you go over it, you start getting charged. So I have like my own personal credit cards and stuff tied to lots of projects. So I'm like, I don't want a big bill. And so, and, and a lot of the times you will, you will totally, you'll do something and, you know, incidental and, you know, the numbers will start running up. And so there's ways to like prevent that. The, the first and easiest thing you can do is just set a budget alert where it will warn you for like very, uh, several thresholds beforehand. So like, let's say you have a budget of like $20, you can set alerts to be like, Hey, alert me when there's like any money that's about to come in. And so it does like predictive forecasting of like at this rate, you're going to be, your bill is going to be $5 tomorrow or something. Uh, you know, so they'll do predictive forecasting of your bill, uh, but it'll also do actual forecast, you know, actual, like, Hey, no, it is this right now. So you can get two different types of alerts and that's very useful because then you can see like, Oh, something's going on, you know, either fix the thing or turn it off or, you know, whatever the fix ends up being. So budget alerts is the easiest. Uh, it's all done in UI. It's very easy to do. So budget alerts, first and foremost. Uh, the second thing you do is you got to look at what, so this is kind of a very vague uh, one, but like you have to look at like what product it is. So uh, let's say you like you're using hosting and hosting has like uh, total uh, like storage is like a, a cost that can that can happen. And so, well, what can cause your site to be really big? Like one thing can size site to be really big is if you're publishing like videos and stuff like that. So you kind of look to see like, oh, maybe I can put these off on YouTube for free or maybe uh, which should probably be a better player anyways. But we also have, uh, you know, cloud storage. Um, which would uh, which has the same billing rates, but it has different versioning policies. So you don't have to worry about publishing two versions of your site and having like two videos taking up two of the same video uh, taking up your storage costs. And so also you can manage your versions. You can say like, hey, I only ever want to keep like three versions at a time. So that way it's not going to be racking up uh, your storage costs. And so you really look at like what the price points are and then you kind of build in these safeguards. We have lots of systems in place that say like, hey, don't let this happen. So like with Firestore, if you don't, if you're worried about people doing a lot of reads or writes, you can write security rules that limit those type of things. Or you can write cloud functions that rate limit um, and cloud functions themselves, you get a, millions of invocations for free. Um, but even when you go beyond that, um, you can, if it's a get, uh, you can cache cloud functions invocations through Firebase hosting. So uh, it doesn't go actually go out to the host, the cloud functions instance, it goes out to the CDN that the content at the, you know, the last invocated result is stored on the CDN. And so you can say like, hey, every time this cloud function is called, store the result on a CDN for however you have total flexibility over for like a day or something. And then that way that that cost is very nominal uh, in well within most free tiers. And then, but the cloud function invocation won't happen for another day. So there's tons of tons of different ways to do that. So budget alerts, first and foremost, second thing, look at the Look at what the actual price point is that you're afraid of. Like, oh, what if we get too many rights? What if I get too many, you know, this? And figure out like how are the ways to mitigate those costs? Because it's usually fairly straightforward when you focus on the actual part of the bill that you're afraid of. I have another uh, recommendation on that question that is um, unauthorized. I do not speak for the Firebase team. But, <laughs> uh, I will say I've known these guys a long time. And the first time I ever talked to David East, I didn't, he didn't know me. I, like I was nobody, right? Nobody knew who I was. And uh, he was really nice. And I remember I meeting say, you I, at Indycom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was so excited to meet you. But I, I mean, I've had a pretty consistent experience with all of the, the people that I've, uh, Abe, and uh, yeah. uh, James, I, like you talk to these people and they're just really nice people consistently. And I know I actually had a friend uh, very early in the days of Firebase who put a, a memory leak. He wrote a memory leak into his own program and just like wrote up this whole, whole big bill and um, <clears throat> reached out to the Firebase team and was like, hey, I like, they reached out to customer service or however did it. And uh, and just I mean, I, I've just always had such 
pleasant, nice experiences. And so I would really encourage you to uh, reach out and ask questions too, because they're such nice people consistently, not just David, all of them. Uh, and there's another question too, David, uh, from Saroon. Uh, there was something about a memory leak issue on server environment. Do you have any update about that yet? Um, yeah, uh, I actually, this is one of those ones where I wish James is on and I'd be like, why? Yes, I do. James, please inform <laughs> us. I do know. Uh, yeah, actually. So that, so to one of the new things that's coming to Angular Fire, uh, or actually it's there. I think it's there now. James was showing me this like this morning. Uh, it was pretty amazing. It, and I know this was in the works for a while, but it's a very complicated thing is that, so if you do, and I, you're probably familiar with like the new ng deploy schematics that have come out. So Firebase hosting is one of the uh, ng deploy ones, but Firebase hosting, um, Firebase hosting all in itself is a static hosting provider. So HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and that all gets like cached into a CDN upon request. And so it's like really fast, but that we don't, it's not like you deploy like a PHP file or something and we run that back. Um, but we do have integrations with serverless providers like Cloud Functions and Cloud Run. And so for Cloud Functions, you write a bit of Node.js code. And then you know every time something happens, that uh, method gets triggered. And what uh, and you know, there's tons of events, like every time a user creates a new account, every time a document is created, stuff like that. But we also do just you know vanilla HTTP requests. And Firebase hosting integrates with that. So if you try to visit a certain route and you've marked it in your configuration as like a dynamic route, we will go call out to the cloud function, generate that content and then send it back. And then you also can cache that in CDN. That's just like a cache control header. And um, we, uh, you can, uh, so theoretically you can do Angular Universal on that. And so Angular Universal though is, can be kind of tough to set up at times, especially depending on your setup and what libraries and stuff you're using. So we made it very easy with Angular Fire to do it. So you do ng deploy and then you put in some flags and then we'll actually create a universal build and deploy that out onto cloud functions for you. So you sort of get like this automatic um, like universal site through the command and you're not on, you know, you're not on, you know, hook for making sure you understand each one of those configuration pieces and every single spot it gets deployed to. Uh, and as far as the memory leak goes, I know James has been fixing stuff like crazy. So there's a very good chance that uh, that happens. And a lot of that is due to the zone JS stuff where zone is not aware that something is finished and we need to tell zone that it's finished. And then it's kind of like making sure you have like buttoned up every single, it's like a watertight seal actually. And so like, you're kind of like, okay, like I have to make sure this is completely sealed and zone knows that. And then if you miss like one spot, it just sort of starts leaking out and then you you're like, oh, what spot is it? And you just, all you see is the puddle, but you don't actually see like the microscopic hole that it's coming out of. <laughs> so you mentioned already about uh, both zones and universal. Uh, any other compatibility things that you want to point out? Maybe uh, latest versions of Angular that things that are supported? I know now that we've gotten things up and working on Ivy. Um, really the biggest, uh, since Firebase is, is very asynchronous um, and it's asynchronous too, in terms of like, in there's lots of background timers that stuff you'll never see or be aware of that the SDKs do like all the Firebase libraries do quite a bit of work. Um, like when you use Firestore, for example, um, a lot of people, I get this question a lot and it's because uh, it's, it's a very, uh, and it's a, like a great question because uh, it shows that you're aware of like bandwidth or just latency problems. So like people are like, hey, if I keep calling this method, am I going to keep requesting this data over the server every time I call it? And and it's, you know, because if you wrote, wrote your own REST wrapper around a server you did every time you would call fetch or whatever, you know, XHR request or Angular HTTP, it would make that request out to the server and you wouldn't want to always be doing that. And so uh, I tell them like, no, 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 you don't have to worry about that. You... Uh, the user are never responsible for making uh, or never directly responsible for making a network request. Like the way that the Firestore SDK is written is that behind the scenes, we uh, you have this whole API that 
creates a connection out to this backend, uh, this persistent one, and then it uh, knows what subscriptions you have placed, and then it makes these delta changes. So every time a new update has happened remotely, whether you made that change yourself or like someone you know way across the world made that change, that delta of the change comes down to the client, and then it gets applied to this local cache, and then the developer themselves only ever reads from the cache. And so they aren't responsible for like making sure that the network updates are like perfect and great and everything like the, that all automatically happens behind the scenes. Um, and even when you make an event that actually locally fires first and that's called late latency compensation. So it happens really quick. And so it happens on the client before it's even been confirmed on the server. And there's like other background work to make sure that that confirmation is valid. And if it's not valid, it gets rolled out. Um, but, uh, that all sounds very complicated because it is. Um, and that's uh, like code I look at. And I'm like, I just, that's just, that's, this is me like in several conversations with engineers who are like, this is how it works. And I'm like, so there's a cache and they're like, oh, okay, let's do this again. All right. So it starts this way. <laughs> and so after like the 15th or 16th meeting, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, so Basically, you have all these background timers and you have all these asynchronous events and zones wants to be like, oh, I see, I see. Every time one of these background timers happens, you want to re-render. And you're like, no, actually I don't. And they're like, oh, okay, okay. But for that one you do, right? And you're like, oh, not that one either. And it's like, oh, okay. But for this one over here, and you're like, no, not that one either. And so you have to like find all of them and or create a system, which James has done, which is really, that was the first thing we did. We tried to patch every single hole in the dam. And then James came up with a just brilliant system for, you know, making a new dam, basically. <laughs> I'm really starting to like this James guy. I got to tell you. Yeah, no, he's done amazing work. And so that's the thing. And zones on the server too has been, was also the problem too, um, is wending because uh, there's node zone and that's important. So if you're using like Angular HTTP and Angular HTTP has a whole system actually for knowing when these requests are done for node zone. And, um, uh, and so we had to basically create a process like that where uh, we would come into these, well, we, James would run into these scenarios where um, the HTML, you'd render, you'd go to render the server-side rendered HTML and it would just be like an empty document uh, because we didn't get the data back in time, but we thought it was time to render. And then you would have times where it would just never render a block forever because it didn't know, it would just be that continuous connection. So it'd be like waiting and waiting and waiting. And so James had to basically figure out how do I how do I know exactly when something's done? And now I can render this page and get that initial, you know, document back. So that's usually the integration problems, usually stuff like Ivy, you know, any like, you know, uh, I mean, oh, when that our, all? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's about, I'd say like 90% of integration, uh, you know, things we have to think about are all within uh, zone. I think we're almost out of time, but I think we yeah, have I know. Yeah. I think Justin, and Mike, I saw. Yeah, a couple, couple more questions. But that that's, again, going back to that, like that's why we use Angular Fire, right? Because then we as developers yes. don't need to worry about all of that integration parts taken care of, right? Yes. That, that's has the, to worry about that. <laughs> that's like the conference talk I don't give to like show off Angular Fire. Like that was not in my ng-conf talk. <laughs> a lot of people would be like, so how do I log a user? <laughs> so, you mentioned uh, some integrations with schematics. I'm going to cut you off real quick, Justin, just to finish this one last question. Um, is schematics, are there sch schematics for potentially, or for Angular Fire specifically, either for setup, update, or mm -hmm. real-time generation or code generation? There's all of those. Um, I'm not a big user of those because I do everything manually, but like I've seen how nice it's been lately because I've seen other people do it. And I'm like, oh, that's really fast. <laughs> I'm like, I should probably start doing that. Um, I'm like the person who won't upgrade like they're, you know, like I'm on like Chrome 67. No, I'm not on Chrome 67. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like I, I like don't upgrade anything until like I, I'm very stubborn in that. Wait, way. is that is that because you still have a, a gazillion tabs open in the Chrome and you don't want to shut it down, or or did you move past that? No, you. So you got to. So that's the opposite way of thinking. You never have to worry about updating when you only have a small amount of tabs open. So I only ever have like I have let my New Year's resolution was to have less than seven tabs open at one period of time. 
I don't um, understand. That's a whole other podcast too to talk about that. <laughs> uh, um, I just couldn't do it. I'm impressed. Um, uh, <laughs> like I, there's a whole philosophical reason because every tab that's open uh, is like a to do. It's like a task you're supposed to do. And then it's an unorganized way of having tasks. And so now I have a whole task system uh, in play that and that makes me be able to let go of the tab. Scheduling you for another I, I podcast just, right now? I, I actually kind of <laughs> do want to hear that. Yeah. We yeah I, I have one on the question for that on one. That. Yes. Email and calendar. Do those count towards the seven? Those do count towards the seven. Oh, well, okay. I'm at oh, eight. You're killing me. <laughs> um. But, but yeah, so we have the schematics for the ng add and that'll set up like a lot of the code generation for like getting Angular Fire set up into your app. And then the ng deploy will do code generation. Some of that's pretty easy. It's just sort of configuration generation. But the one for Cloud Functions does do a fair amount of code generation, getting your universal bundle and making sure that it's going out to your actual, because that deploys code out to actually different services. Like you go out to a Cloud Function, which is separate than Firebase hosting. And so it makes sure everything goes out to the right spots and it makes sure that the functions are connected to hosting. There's lots of uh, really cool stuff it does. It you know abstracts over some of the just glue stuff that I don't believe anyone should be responsible for. <laughs> Yet I still manage to do it every day myself. <laughs> nice. Except James. James should be responsible. Yeah, James is responsible for that. That's right. <laughs> okay, I've got two quick questions before we wrap up. One, uh, in the new Angular Fire, is there anything that it doesn't like? What doesn't it support right now in terms of Firebase services? It's a good question. Um, I don't think we have any outside of maybe like a, a feature of a product, I don't believe there's a single web product we do not support. Um, we there might be like some new API method or something that we're like, you know, we could stand to like, you know, add some support for. Um, but I don't believe, uh, yeah, there's anything major that we haven't gotten support for. Awesome. Awesome. And then I know I, I don't recall what version we were on the last time we talked. Uh, so there might be several versions, but during that time, has there been any uh, breaking changes or API changes that that we need to think about in terms of if we need to upgrade Angular Fire or has it been pretty stable? We had a really big API change back when Firestore came out because um, we changed the way the database, old real-time database uh, API used to work. And so they work. So the Firestore API and the real-time database API, while they're different APIs, have very similar uh, APIs to them. So like switching back and forth between the two is easy. That was a really big one. We have very subtle smaller breaking changes, but we haven't had anything very big. And we just released a 6.0 and there were a handful in there, but most of them are very easy to fix. And they're only like, if you're doing specific things, um, but there hasn't been like a huge, like we renamed this method to this thing and that thing to that thing. Cool, cool. All right. Well, I we're at the top of the hour, covered a lot yeah. of stuff. So I think we're, we're probably Fine. good on, on that. Let's uh, see if we have any picks and then we'll we'll call it a show. So first, I like to call the panelists first. So any panelists, if you have any picks, go raise your hand. I'll call on you. <laughs> All right, Bonnie's first. Bonnie, what do you got? James Daniel. <laughs> I got to tell you, every, every once in a while, I have to have a pick as a person. I mean, he seems to be the man of the hour tonight. Uh, other than, I mean, obviously, we knew David East was the man of the hour, but we have a. Uh, no, just just the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, I'm just over here. here. I'm like. <laughs> All right, I have a pick, and it's David's shirt. Yeah, and that's I cannot see the shirt, please. Oh yeah, yeah. Invaders, right? A, oh, from uh, Angular Denver. A twist on it. What got what? What it? What are the shields it's down got there? The Angular logo. This is Angular. Under. All right. This is the Angular Denver shirt from uh, the year before last, I think, from the oh, summer, okay. wasn't it? From so the Space summer, Invaders, maybe? right? Space Invaders yeah. game with. Angular shields as the shields down below to protect your ship. But I got to say, I'm stressing out because those alien ships are, are getting really close. I just want to be mashing my Atari button so hard right now because it's stressing me out. I don't know. I think I think the, the Space Invaders are going to win on that shirt. They should have uh -huh. skipped a couple lines so you could be less stressed. They just got upgraded to Ivy and it's done. <laughs> I heard I heard something interesting about Space Invaders uh, in the last week. So I'll add to your pick that initially when the game was developed, 
they the spaceships coming down were not supposed to speed up as there were less and less. But because they were programmed for a specific processor, since there were less of them that need to be rendered, they started to speed up and that actually became part of the game. That's like some Jaws level lore right there. Like the, the actually right. the, the shark didn't work. <laughs> so. That's a good little trivia there, Mike. Nice. Nice. I like it. I read that this past week. Whether or not the validity of it or not, I'm not positive. Oh, but. I love you, Mike. Uh, that's really good. All right, Alyssa, yeah. I think you have a cake as well. Uh, yeah, twitch.tv slash code it live. Um, they're streaming quite often, but I did some recap streams each day after ngconf, their TLDR ngconf streams for session highlights and uh, surprise guests, yada, yada. So check those out if you happen to miss the conference or part of it. So I, I do have a quick pick. I know we just, we just boiled over one hour, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, so I am all and Alyssa, we should we should team up. I have started streaming and I so I'm rebuilding my whole ngconf talk on uh, right now I'm doing it every Monday. We'll see how that holds up. Um, but uh, every you know once a week, I am just going on Twitch and I'm just rebuilding and it's a, it's a hoot. everyone just talking in the chat, having fun that a hoot? <laughs> and I've I've yeah, I've been doing tons of live streaming lately and it's been lots of fun. So I don't have like one of those channels on YouTube where I can like link to. I haven't like hit all those requirements yet. So uh, at underscore David East on Twitter and then find that tweet where I talk about that thing and then click on that. <laughs> so uh, You'll get there in no time. You're going to be there soon. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a really good conversion tactic, getting people to click on as many different sites and links as possible to sign up. <laughs> it's a new, it's a, it's an ABC test. Well, and hopefully you've got some angular fire going in the background there to track all that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, uh, really appreciate you coming back on, David. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on, and, and we really appreciate you sharing your time and your knowledge with us, as well as entertaining us and taking us on these journeys. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. For sure, for sure. All right, that's a wrap, everyone. Thank you for have the a good chat one tonight. We had a really um, great chat. Tonight. See you next time. Bye. -bye. Thanks.